Mike, this week we've got Karen Chapman coming on. I've been trying to get Karen on the podcast for a while now because she's awesome at what she does. Um, she owns Renaissance Interiors. It's been going 30 odd years. They do design and build. So for people much like yourself that want the extensions or they want the loft conversions or garage conversions or just a bungalow flattened and built up. She's also an interior designer herself in terms of how she operates from a creative point of view. So I'm looking forward for landlords, the do's and don'ts of interior design. People ask me all the time, you know, about the value, but yes, Pete, you do have to think about the long-term value for, you know, selling, but the value to people is their day-to-day -day living. And, and I always say that should be your, that should be your driving force, unless you're doing it as an investor and that's your driving force. But if you're doing it for your family, your family and your day-to-day -day value of your lifestyle is, should be the driving force, not whether it's going to add pounds onto your investment, unless you are looking to flip it in a, a year or two, that's a different conversation. But most people are looking at it from how can I improve the quality of my life and my family's life and the flow within my home? Not, oh, I just want to turn it round and, and flip it because that is a different approach altogether. Her business covers a few different things as well, bespoke soft furnishings, um, they do bathroom and kitchen fit outs. So it's a very topical, different conversation than we've had from just mortgage advisors and market and economy. We're going to talk about some of the more fun stuff on this one. What questions you got for Karen today? Okay, so interior design is something that's not associated with rental yeah. properties at all yeah it's very much white walls gray carpet laminate floor keep it safe what can landlords do to upgrade that how can a landlord incorporate some interior design to attract the best tenant without going overboard i think it's a really important question show homes are set up to sell a property yeah and once it's done, it's done. The developer doesn't really care. So if it hasn't got wardrobes in or storage or whatever, it's there to look pretty. For a landlord's property, it's there for it to convert on the viewing, but it's not done. It's the got to stand the test of time. Exactly that. So you have to think practicality and aesthetically pleasing on the appointment. So that's going to be what we're going to cover today so that hopefully landlords and property investors can really look at how to maximise the value of their rental investment and the longevity of the tenant. Should we get Karen in? Let's do it. Awesome. Karen, thank you very much for joining us on the Landlord Page podcast. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Thank you for asking me to join you. Yeah, absolute pleasure. It's going to be interesting to talk about all the different areas that we mentioned on the intro that your business covers. But I think the first place that I really wanted to start was in the design and build world at the moment. Obviously, we've seen COVID. We've seen a lot of things happen, cost of living crisis, this, that and the other. But one thing that remains in the UK is your castle is always your home is always your castle, I should say. So, how are you seeing people build out their castles? You know, at the moment, what what's the main request you're getting from the design and build element of things at the moment? Um, since COVID, I think the the thing that COVID did was obviously people were trapped in their homes for twenty four seven, and that issue that they went away to work and ignored they couldn't ignore anymore mm -hmm. so um covid has kind of made people address those issues now whether they've decided to move or improve has been something that we have been helping them make that decision um, quite often we're finding that people have you know the kids are settled into the right place um, it's convenient for work 
and obviously work has changed so much. So home offices have really come to the forefront. So people are now quite often doing hybrid working. So um, we are trying to build in space for them so that they have somewhere to have a private Zoom call yeah. without interruption or noise interference or anything. So home offices have definitely improved, increased in um, requirements and also the quality of it. People are no longer happy just to be perching on their dining room table or at the breakfast bar. Yeah. They want an actual space to do that. So um, obviously a natural place to do that would be a garage conversion into a home office. Um, but, you know, people are thinking maybe longer term about staying in homes now rather than just doing it for now and then thinking of moving. It's, you know, people are thinking about their homes in a different way now and developing. And then when they do make that move, they are looking at that next move to be a longer term rather than a stopgap. Yeah. So it's the balance, isn't it, of whether you spend the money on extension, and this is very relevant to Mike, which we'll come on to in a second, but whether you spend the money in extending and trying to sort of build your forever home or whether you spend the money on tax and stamp duty and legal fees and things like that and obviously increase your mortgage to the next purchase. On the home office thing, though, one thing we mentioned this a while ago, but I'm interested to bring it back now that you're very active on the tools from a lettings point of view, Mike. If you've got a property that's a property investment, landlord owns it, if they're looking to upgrade it and try and increase the rent because they've got to facilitate facilitate the fact that mortgage rates have gone up, are they going to get more rent for a property that's got a garage on the side or will they get more rent for a property that's got a home office instead of a garage? I think from a rental perspective, it's accommodation comes over storage. Mm. If you own and live in your own house, you tend to be in situ maybe eight, ten years on average. So you acquire a certain amount of junk that needs a certain amount of space. Karen's yeah. love. She's seen everyone's garages. Um, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> <mine> later. <laughs> dreading it. Um, but a tenant who moves maybe on average every three years will acquire less junk because if you move every three years, you're much more likely to get rid of stuff, all your old kids' bikes and plastic toys and all these kinds of things, rather than keep them for just in case your sister has a baby in, in a few years' time. You're much more likely to get rid of them. So the internal accommodation is much more valuable. And I can say 10 years ago, a tenant would race through the front door and test the water pressure. Five years ago, they would race through the door and test the Wi-Fi speed. And now they race through the door. Where can I work from mm. that is going to be private for me? That's an absolute fact. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting because I think that's where we're talking about homes and families building out to make it their castle, as I mentioned it. But actually, from a, um, a property investor's point of view, from a landlord, especially if you've got a portfolio, you've made a lot of money in equity over the last couple of years with the price gain. So reinvesting it to make it more generationally beneficial to tenants might result in a longer term tenant and, and less voids as well. For Renaissance interiors, and when you're in the design and build and you're doing conversions, and I know you kind of build from the ground up for, for properties as well, not so much for the quote that you would charge the homeowner or the investor, but how have you found that as a business with the cost of materials and work and and everything that's going on in Ukraine and stuff like that. Is that having a big impact for you? Yeah, it is. I mean, no one can shy away from the fact that the cost of everything and the supply chain has just kind of fallen apart. Um, so things that price-wise are starting to settle a bit more, but I don't think they're ever going to go back to the prices that we were looking at sort of five years ago. Mm -hmm. 
And I just think we've just got to get used to a new normal and cut our cloth accordingly. Yeah. Um, people do tend to have a very long wish list, <clears throat> which they then have to align with what the budget constraints are. And there's a long conversation to be had about that when we're working through what they want to achieve and how we can marry that up with the cost. Because if you get, if you want a good trade person to do the job, you've got to pay them a decent wage. If you, you know, it's true. If you pay peanuts, you're going to get monkeys and you've got to, you've got to value the team who are working for you. Yeah. Um, and I've always say buy cheap, buy twice. And it's very true. And if you, if you compromise your, what you want to do, and do it as a cost-led activity, you will end up either compromising on it from your uh, dream perspective or you'll just get so frustrated with the quality of it, you'll have to buy it again. So I would actually advocate people save for slightly longer to get a better quality result. But also what we also try and do um, when we're doing it is we, we think of it like a jigsaw puzzle. We make a big plan. We have the big picture in mind, but we break it down into bite-sized chunks so that you can start the project because you're eager to go, mm. but we can break it down into, into stages so that you can afford stage one, then you build in stage two, but you know what your end goal is. Yeah. So you're building up that picture, uh, but bit by bit. If you start making it up as you go along, you'll end up having a real mess of, of an idea because there will be no cohesion. So always start with the end result, like a sat nav. Always start with your your destination and, and then work out the steps to get there. Yeah, I, I um, I'm at that age bracket now where a lot of my friends are all young kids and they're taking that step, or they've just taken that step from the second home they own, so the three bed terrace or the three bed semi, and they're making that jump, or they've just made that jump into the, the forever home, as it mm. were, the big four bed detached, where the two kids are now going to go to the secondary school locally. And I was having a conversation with one of my recent clients, a good friend of mine as well, when we were running, funnily enough, and we were talking exactly about that, which I think when you're in your sort of early 30s, late 20s, and you're buying stuff, you're going to Ikea, and you're putting the cheap table in, you're putting the cheap desk in, and you're kind of just trying to fill the house with stuff that looks okay, but you're doing it as cheap as you can to get as much. And then something happens a little bit later on. And now we're thinking, especially in my house as well, which we're going to discuss is the kids are a little bit older now, but you're fed up of buying the cheap stuff or doing the cheap refurb and whatever it may be, because you're thinking, I want some longevity from what I'm getting. And sometimes, you know, a next dining room table might only last you two or three years and you actually need to spend that little bit extra. And it's the same in, in your game. Talk, talking from your point of view, Mike, you off camera there, you joked about the fact that you want your conversion doing, but there's no sign of it. How have you found that experience? Uh, frustrating, frankly, I'm, I'm, Bridging the gap, as you said, from a personal perspective of living in a three-bedroom detached house that I bought with the potential to turn it into a proper family home, but it's getting the trades, getting them committed and getting a date. I've gone from September to January to March to May with my builder so far, and not a foot has been set on site because of his personal delays with trades, with other jobs, with supplies, with issues, with costs, with with everything, mm -hmm. frankly. It's, so that's been the big frustration from a personal level. Um, and you quite rightly said it's, it's about making the decision for the long term about do you put that money into tax and upsizing into a different property or do you put it into 
the house itself. And I think the same will ring true for a landlord as we just go back to it with a garage conversion or a room over the top of the garage. I'm interested to know whether it still stacks up because it used to be a massive value adder for people, you know, whatever it would, whatever it costs you to build, you would probably make back another 50% in, in house values. And I just wondered from your perspective on the other side of the coin, rather than the estate agent side, whether you still people do still people see it doing, doing it. I'll get it out in a minute. Whether you still see people doing it because it's, it's actually got equity in it or whether that day's gone. People ask me all the time, you know, about the value, but yes, Pete, you do have to think about the long-term value for, you know, selling, but the value to people is their day-to-day living. And, and I always say that should be your, that should be your driving force, unless you're doing it as an investor and that's your driving force. But if you're doing it for your family, your family and your day-to-day value of your lifestyle is should be the driving force, not whether it's going to add pounds onto your investment, unless you are looking to flip it in a a year or two. That's a different conversation. But most people are looking at it from how can I improve the quality of my life and my family's life and the flow within my home, not, oh, I just want to turn it around and and flip it, because that is a different approach altogether. But yeah, family first, really. Yeah, I think if if you're planning to be there for the next five or ten years and it's an expense, but it's going to level out the value, then it's the the quality of life. But some people are stringent, aren't they? They look at it in a different way. It's interesting, though, with the, the way that the media portray the economy. There's a lot of people like you. The money is there. It's ready to go. It's not a money issue. It's actually getting the trade person in and for us with our property management you know that's often quite a common problem at the moment mm. is yeah doesn't i mean seem to be we had takes. it we had it defined back to us in a daniel Priestley seminar i think it was where inflation the definition of inflation economically is there's too much money for the amount of goods and services that are available which is why prices are pushed up and i don't think either of us really saw it that way yeah until it was actually shouted back at us down through a microphone of this is why prices are going up. So there's too much money around. Everyone's got money to spend on these things. Therefore, there's not enough people there, not enough materials there to actually get the job done, which just exacerbates the problem even more. Yeah, 100%. So with your team, Karen, I I was looking at the website before um, you came in and I love the way that the team is laid out. And I noticed you've got someone who was called the Wood Wizard, um, a mural artist as well, which was really cool. Um, Graphic design, obviously, in there, and then a chandelier specialist too. So let's just touch base on your services, you know, what they offer for potentially landlords and people that have got nice properties as well. How are you finding that sort of trend at the moment with the different services that you guys offer? Yeah, so people come to us for all different levels of support, really. Um, Some people, they just want the ideas and they're quite happy to, you know, they've got the DIY dad. They want to, happy to decorate themselves. They just want those concepts. It's the inspiration and the the imagination they want from us. So that's something we, we can help people with. But there's other people who are so time poor that they, 
you know, they want the whole the whole lifestyle. They want it all laid out for them and they don't have the contacts. So we have obviously in the 30 years we've been uh, been in business, I've built up a great network of trades. And uh, as you say, the woodwork wizard and, and the mural artist, people that I would turn to time and time again because their quality is assured, the attention to detail is there and they work and they care for their clients like we do ours so it's a bit uh, renaissance interiors is, is an umbrella really mm -hmm. so the service the interior design and all those elements and then we project manage it using trades that we know like and trust and that's really important to me that that everybody i work with has value and they value their clients as people and they are looking at those like almost like family members mm -hmm. and they would treat them in the same way we're in the season being spring um, coming into spring that people are always wanting to refresh in spring um, and uh, yeah children's children's rooms because children grow so fast and what they wanted last year is not something that they're going to need and we're doing quite a few teenage bedrooms building in teenagers again things have changed and technology has changed so much that their rooms are almost becoming like studio apartments mm -hmm. um and that's becoming really important to families because there's so much tech to involve and you know they need a space for homework they need a space for gaming obviously a place for sleeping um on all that's those way things. down the yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely um so, you know so and then storage as well i mean luckily with tech you're getting you know what we're storing is less mm -hmm. um and as the children grow older the stuff is less there's far fewer toys um so those kind of things so it's making those transitions as that child will grow because most children will you know after 16 and 18 well their lives will change significantly but you always want them to have a home that they will want to come home to um and therefore it's giving them a space that feels grown up enough um but still gives them um a space to be a child and embrace all of those the their personality and it's all about building their personality and reflecting their personality in their room to give them a sense of belonging i feel for them for the last 10 years, the middle market, the family homes that we're discussing here, the big kind of trend that we've seen is people building out at the back of the kitchen. And Mike's obsessed with bifolds. He's a big <laughs> bifold fan. With the big bifolds out to the to the garden. And that's been the big kind of the family space. Yes. We call it like when we're doing our yeah. videos, we call it the heartbeat of the home because it feels that way. Is that still the thing? Or is it now people are going back to smaller spaces because they want a family room, they need an office, and actually they're starting to look at taking the floor plan and splitting it into smaller spaces? Or is it still the open plan is the, is the appeal? Uh, yeah, the open plan... Um vision is still very much um, something we get asked for a lot. Now, there are some things that you need to think about in that, in that it's quite a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of a, a dream that you've, you know, all the family's in there all having a lovely time. You know, the kids are playing on the floor and every, you know, chopping and it's all very Hollywood. <laughs> you've, got to, yeah, you've got to think about it in real practical terms that those spaces are large spaces with, with a lot of natural reverb because most of the, the surfaces are all hard mm. so you've got hard floors very you know most people say oh we want the bifolds we don't want the curtains we want it all to be you know light fresh and open however you do have to think that at, in the winter when it's dark those 
bifold doors will become a big black cold hole. Mm. So your whole family will be on display to all your neighbours. You'll, however, it, however you know glazed your your windows are, you will leach heat through that, and it doesn't look nice when you've got a beautiful home and you've got a you know six meter wide of big black hole. That's not pretty to look at. So if you want that cozy um, space, you need to think about things like putting curtains on that. And then you've got the other practical things of actually you can't just go out and buy a six meter pole. You have to build in things that, you know, like you, for example, you just go, I'll just go to Ikea or other other places to buy ready-made curtains. You won't find curtains of that scale. And also if you're going to put it on a, a curtain pole or a track, you've got to think about how you can actually get the travel across those kind of widths mm. as well. So you've got to build all of that in. And if you're going to go to the expense of expanding and extending and paying and investing in all of that space, you need to build in those solutions. So um, people just quite often say, well, we'll deal with the decor side of things after it's built we'll build it first mm-hmm. um, and then we'll worry about that afterwards but sadly it means you do miss building in the solutions before you have a problem and then obviously retrofitting is so much more problematic than building it in at the beginning so yes those spaces are really important to families but you have got to think that about certain elements um, to make them actually work because otherwise then you're going to get so fed up with the large expanse of space and the no privacy and everything that you do have to um to have to plan ahead again get, get the big picture and then build, go back and fold, solve the solutions as you're building practicality in. i think we see that a lot as agents you know where maybe i've i don't know maybe i've resold a client's house three years later because the dream and the idea and the vision of what they saw was fantastic but the practicality of it just didn't work for where they were at with with the kids and things like that so it is interesting to talk about for landlords i I know your background is very much design creativity and and you can paint a picture in your head for a room in a way that me and mike can definitely not do i would imagine Um, so with landlords in mind what are the do's and don'ts would you say for interior design obviously some landlords they really put time love and care into it for their tenants some are a bit slapdash and they just want it everything white go yeah but what would you say the do's and don'ts for landlords for bearing in mind the wear and tear of a tenant Mm. and also the long term because they don't want to be doing a redeck you know every 24 months of a tenancy agreement so what would be your advice to them that are listening um yeah no one wants to move into a just a, a white box think about i would say think about the um the textures of a home as well because big walls need texture and and you can do th- the thing about it obviously when you're trying to appeal to a wide audience you don't know who your next client is going to be so you don't want to choose colors for them because mm-hmm. that's really dangerous because yeah. some people are averse to color people are quite scared of color um but so you want to create interest in a home and elevate a look of a room by adding texture now an easy way of doing that is to add wainscoting or paneling to a wall which can as if if you follow pinterest it's all over pinterest it's on point at the moment that is it paneling yeah yeah tiktok you see that going up the time hop absolutely but it can create a really nice texture and it adds a really classy look to a room but you don't have to add color to it because the wall could be the same color but that's going to be so much classier and it elevates a room 
really quickly, very inexpensively, and it's very easy to maintain as well. Mm -hmm. So that's something that you could add to any living space, really. Um, and you can get clever with mirrors and all that sort of stuff to go in and around it. And if you've got a small space, add mirrors, the biggest mirrors you possibly can. And that will make, you know, add more natural light to a room because it bounces and, and takes off that borrowed light and expands on it and also makes the space look bigger. So um, adding mirrors is a really great way of doing that for anybody, not just landlords, but it's always a good trick. Um, and yes, storage, always make sure that there's enough storage because, you know, as in any developer who's, you know, when you look into a show home, they always put lovely bedding in but they don't ever put wardrobes yeah, in unless yeah. they're built in wardrobes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're selling, if you're, you know, trying to, to, you know, encourage new families to come in, you've got to think about the practicalities of their life. So they do need some stories, but Ottoman beds, if you're going to do for furnished bedrooms, use put an Ottoman bed in there because there's so much unused storage under a bed that it's right there. That solves a huge amount of problems for, for storage. Um, but yeah, People are getting much more design savvy um, and obviously with Pinterest being so such a huge thing, people are pinning all, all over the place that they have an idea of what their ideal home is going to be yeah. and they've got, you've got to tap into that. So, um, yeah, add, add texture, add richness of neutrals rather than going for colour because colour is something you, uh, a family can add easily with accessories, but to... to a, to appeal to a wider um, marketplace, you want to have a sort of three, four, five tops neutral tones with depth. Don't have them all like mid-tones. You want some dark mid-tones and light and just layer the textures as well as the colours because then you can have a really classy look. Because um, a lot of landlords let unfurnished, so you don't know the what vast furniture. majority. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's much easier. It's much more efficient to let unfurnished. Yeah. So the majority of what we see in the simple advice is is just to whitewash because mm. no one can be offended, maybe apart from an interior designer, <laughs> by a freshly painted white wall. There's yeah. very it's it's like Magnolia was mm. 20 years ago. Now you look at Magnolia and it really does offend your eyes a little bit. But white is like a white bathroom suite. Yeah. It's a it's the very, very base of the base mm. for the colour blind landlord yeah. to, to not go wrong from. But if you put a white house next to a house that has an element of design and maybe attention that's been put into it. Yeah. Maybe some, it's some time and some love rather than some the, the basic must-haves. Yeah. Then firstly, you're going to rent that house first. You're going to rent it for a premium and you're going to rent it to the family who you want to rent to yeah. because they're going to see the reflection in you as a landlord, yeah. I would say, and someone's going to make it their home rather than use it as their rental, which is a massive difference yeah. in our industry. And lighting is another really important thing. So... Um, lots of developers get very lazy and just put spotlights in every room and spotlights are fine in a kitchen but not in every room especially not in bedrooms um and if you want to like you say appeal someone who just show that you are you care more um and so layer lights in so maybe if you're going to go unfurnished then maybe add some wall lights they don't have to be 
you know, they don't have to be showy, but just so that you can have dimmable wall lights rather than spotlights everywhere. Um, and But lighting is something you can be really clever with um, and you can hide it as well. So again, in a sitting room, you don't want to put a single pendant light in the middle of a room either because, uh, you know, if you can't walk under it, that's going to be a thing. But that's why people put spotlights in because it's easy. You don't have to worry about that. But you can put all sorts of interesting lighting, um, hidden LED, which gives you enough light to see by. And then you can layer it with lamps, but put some more lights in as well. Dimmable ones. And obviously the TV, everybody wants a big TV. If you put a halo light behind that TV so you can recess it, if you build in a recess, for a TV and you put halo lighting in it, it gives such an amazing um, sense to the space, even when the TV is not on. Um, again, it's just those little attention to details elements, but it's again about texture. So you're lighting, you're giving texture to a room by lighting it rather than physical texture. Is it safe to build one of those TV units, a media unit in a rental property? Are we at a point now where TV sizes have plateaued or are we going to see the 100 inch? Yeah, because <laughs> that's the risk. Is like 12, 10 years ago, you would have you would have built one of those for maybe a 40 inch TV, thinking that's the biggest TV I've ever seen. Yeah. Now, no one's got a 40 inch TV. Mm. I think mine's 55, and I, I might have got the smallest TV. <laughs> like, friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a very valid point, but what you do have to think about is the distance of watching it. Because yes. You know, if you get people don't think about that in Costco, though, do they? No, exactly. Because <laughs> and that's the thing about any furniture. You where you buy it also affects what you choose because you're not thinking about the scale of your own room. So yes, if if you cannot sit in a cinema in the front row, do not buy a TV bigger than a 55 inch because most sitting rooms are not deep not particularly enough deep, yeah, so yeah. that you can sit far enough away so you don't feel physically sick being that close i couldn't i can never sit in the front row of a cinema so i would never be able to have a humongous tv my Otherwise wife sits in the garden <laughs> my wife is the same i'll come and this is no joke i'll walk into the living room and she'll be watching um a program on sky on the sky menu because she's watching it in the bottom right corner in the small bit and she's not even noticed that yeah. she's not watching it on full screen because yeah. sometimes she just she has that exact thing. Now, in, very interesting, and it'll be interesting to see. Have you got any? I don't know whether you can share this with us, but have you got any funny requests from from clients of past? You know, I think nineteen ninety one. It says that you were established, so maybe let's go back where people don't remember. <laughs> have you had any random kind of interior design or soft furnishing requests or anything like that? Oh my goodness, I've got to set my head uh, think about. It. I did. I. Well, obviously, we, one of the things I talk to people about is what are your cherished things? So quite often people just want a completely fresh look. But very few people say is we're getting rid of everything. Mm -hmm. Everybody's always got something cherished that they want to showcase. And I've seen some doozies and you just think, really? <laughs> so I did have somebody who had a cherished Toby jug collection and they wanted us to build something to highlight this Toby Jug collection. Um, so we did, and they loved it. Enough said, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, people... Didn't make your website. Funny enough, <laughs> um, Yeah, it, it's what, it, whatever floats in their boat, not ours, and that's the thing. And, and so whatever their hobbies are, whatever their cherished pieces of... I don't know, memorabilia or something that tells their story is important to them. Mm -hmm. um, whether or not we like it 
is that's always a challenge, but that we're up for a challenge every time. But I can't think of anything. That's good. I, I like that. I mean, I'm I'm into my running, so having something bespoke to showcase the six pairs of running trainers that I, that I now <laughs> I'm not sure the wife would be too impressed with me. But various states of distress. Yeah. But obviously, they need a shoes, cover as well because yeah. you run in them. Yes, you know, yeah. they're, they're not yeah. they're not yeah. always fresh. So there's a <laughs> challenge. Yeah, hermetically sealed. Yeah, yeah, there's a challenge with that as well. Um, it's been really interesting, kind of hearing from your point of view, and I think it's some great advice that you've given um, there as well. I know there's a service that you offer for some of the avocado clients at a certain level um so let's just talk about that briefly before we wrap up so if someone does struggle with the creative side of things what is it that renaissance interiors can do to help them get that planning and, and build that jigsaw out kind of reviewing so again a lot of people they can't see the wood for the trees so by having somebody like us to come in who has no preconception of who they are um, and looks at everything with a different eye mm -hmm. just can help people kind of sort out what's important and then there's a process we go through like I was saying about what's their cherished things what's important to them how what's their family dynamic like quite often we are brought in when we have two blended families so a recent marriage children from both obviously history from both sides of the fa two families but they want obviously to bring in a new chapter mm. and start a new chapter. And it's really important then to value what each family has bought, but then create something, a new story from it. Yeah. Um, so again, we don't know the backstory from both sides. So we're looking at it from an aesthetic perspective, what physically fits and, and people then don't get offended by we don't want that chair or whatever so it's 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 helping people pass keep the things that are important to them for the right reasons and be able to shed those things that don't add won't add value to their lives going forward mm -hmm. so people come to us when they're downsizing upsizing new family coming in your children um or whether it's older parents coming in and needing support so therefore, that's a different kind of practical versus aesthetic kind mm -hmm. of thing. So there's all sorts of different help we can do. And um, I'm going off piece now. Well, I think that that service is something that I probably didn't know it really existed. But I think it saves people a lot of time and money on the crap, effectively, that people buy in a house that they don't need. Because they're trying to... We're, we're guilty of it in my house. We... We go to a showroom, we see a lovely dining room table or we see a lovely coffee table or a nice picture and you think, oh, I really like that. So you buy it, you take it home. Well, it doesn't really go. <laughs> but you just do it because you see something you like and you buy it, whereas what you're talking about is starting from the beginning yeah. and building it out that way. And I think that's great. So, yeah, definitely something that I would recommend people getting get in contact with Renaissance Interiors for that because it's a good starting place to then build out. And and by the sounds of it, with your umbrella brand, you've got the ability to help support as much or they do or they don't want therefore after. So Absolutely. And the other thing about um, people when their thoughts about interior designers is quite often people say, well, especially when they're doing extension, let's build the space and then we'll think we'll get you in because they think of interior design as a superficial add-on mm. as in wall colors and plumping cushions. And interior design is more than that. It's about lifestyle flow, 
building those kind of things. And if you're investing in bricks, additional bricks and mortar in your home, you need to think about those elements that need to be built in, for example, lighting design, sp space flow of that. And, and not all architects think about your the lifestyle within. We advocate very much that we talk about the lifestyle within first and then we wrap the brick hug around that. Mm -hmm. We don't make the space and then force the family in it. Yeah. Um, so again, it's just it's flipping that thinking on its head really um, with our with that side of the service that we offer. And then if you if you have gone that far, you've already had the architectural designs done before it gets committed to bricks and mortar we can do an architectural review to make any adjustments tweaks or add in that lighting design and those sort of things that will add value to their day-to-day -day life because it's their home and that's the most important thing that yeah. they've got really yeah we're very passionate about that same message at the end there it's their home it's whether it's a tenant whether it's a homeowner it's their mm -hmm. home and the long the more it feels like a home to a tenant specifically for the investors listening then the longer they're going to stay the less void period and the more money they'll save down the line so karen you've been great thank you for coming on um we're going to put in the show notes obviously all the different contact details for karen and her business the services that they offer and a, a direct link to the website as well so you can check it out there so thank you for joining us on the podcast today lovely to be here thanks so much Okay, so now Karen's gone. First thing she says, she likes our office, so we're okay. Yeah, we're doing well. We've done all right. We designed that ourselves. We did it ourselves. Yeah, yeah, home done. <laughs> Not bad. There's a tree, there's a gorilla, there's everything. Anyway, um, a few takeaways that I've got that I want to run past you. Firstly, I haven't got the problem of having a six-meter bifold door yet i'll mm. get to that problem when i get rich it's definitely not six meters secondly big point that i took from that is project management whenever i've had work done at my property the biggest problem is coordinating trades i hate it so if you're having work done from start to finish if you want an extension built if you want your garage converted if you want your kitchen done whatever it is project management is key mm -hmm. what what do you think I think everything in life in the way that I've operated, whether it's business, whether it's my running, um, whether it's my fitness planning, I've never articulated it like a jigsaw that needs piecing together. But when Karen described it that way for your home, and you know, if you're not living in a studio, there's a lot of different segments to someone's home. So you've got all of the different rooms, all of the different space. And actually thinking about it as, right, this is the end goal. This is the practicality of how I would love it to look. And then just piece it bit by bit, do it little bit by little bit. And I think most of us are so impatient and rushed and not creative minding and not project minded in the way that you just explained there, that actually we end up putting a load of stuff in and just putting it all together, a bit like we've just moved into the house and unboxed everything and that will work there without actually thinking about the end jigsaw in mind. So that was my huge takeaway because it's a, it's a journey that I'm about to go on myself from doing exactly the former and now trying to do the latter. So that was very powerful. And I think um, you can just hear in the way that Karen talks that she understands not just making something look pretty, but making something work. And yep. I think she probably would say no to a client if she felt it wouldn't work with their lifestyle, which is really, really important as well. If you're going to get a manager, you need someone to, to, to tell you that otherwise yeah. otherwise you're managing them absolutely yeah loved it if you've enjoyed it and you want to connect with karen obviously as i said at the end um in the show notes you've got all of the different links um definitely worth some of your time and we'll be probably hearing more from karen in the foreseeable future as well about some other subjects thanks for listening 
And flicking through YouTube and through Spotify, I don't think there's a podcast or a video channel on YouTube that landlords can land on where they're not being sold something. I mean, it'd be the first time any estate agent's ever asked that question, but why not ask that question to a wider audience? They just have the knowledge there, but they don't seem to share it. You can do different episodes based around someone that wants an exit plan or someone that's just starting their portfolio. The rules change every year, yeah. but why not just open the floor out and just say, well, is property even the best investment out there? And tax advice is a big thing, especially with everything that's changed, capital yeah. gains tax and obviously your stamp duty costs that you need to pay and whatnot. People don't realise what they need to prepare for. We build a podcast and we build a YouTube channel, somewhere that landlords can go and they feel they're not being sold to, but they're just getting quality advice.